The EMS Garage is a production of emsradio.com. You can find us on Facebook. Just search EMS Garage. You can find us on Twitter at EMS Garage. Email us, emsgarage at gmail.com. Or call us, 303-720-6001. The EMS Garage. Yeah, the other father wanted to know if uh, you could handle that call as well. Just confirming you are checking the patient. Yeah, I'm making 22 Hello, everybody, and welcome to the EMS Garage. I'm the geeky medic, and uh, I'm joined this week on Vocal by a bunch of people. Go to vocal.com every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Mountain Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, where you can watch us live. I have tonight five people on the cast on the vocal chat, and then we also have a few people in the actual Skype chat. And you can also type and email us right there and chat with us right there in the vocal chat while we're online. We'll answer your questions. If you are on the vocal right now, you can actually just hit the idea button and we will try to get your comment on the air and it actually shows up right on our screen and we can uh, show that to everybody as we put it out. I'm Chris Montera and thanks for joining me. Um, A couple of housekeeping items. Last week I talked about audible.com and I talked about Boingo, but nobody called our number. So you have to call 303-720-6001 if you want to win two free books from Audible. Somebody emailed me this week and said, is that a scam? Are you trying to get my credit card number? I guarantee it's not. In fact, I'm going to cover the last few numbers on this. You can see this is absolutely free. This is a free two free books from audible.com. I will give them to you if you call in on our 303-720-6001 number and tell me what you think of the show. It's a giveaway. It's not a contest. We're just going to pull your name out of the hat. And as the extra added bonus, I'll give you one hour of free Wi-Fi from boingo.com. 10,000 Boingo locations around the world, coffee shops and airports and everywhere in between. So joining me tonight, we're going to be, first up, let me tell you what we're talking about. We're going to be talking about 24-hour shifts and safety. And do you think that they're really bad or is there a problem with 24-hour shifts? And also we're going to talk about the Oklahoma system that made STEMI a the STEMI protocol of a big success and they now want to take it statewide. They did it in Oklahoma city in Tulsa and they now want to take it statewide. I personally have a few problems with doing this, but, uh, you know, I like to be controversial and all. So joining me first is Mr. Chris Sabalero. How are you doing, sir? Maybe he can't hear me. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he can't hear me. Let's see if he's even there. Hey, there's Chris. How are you doing, man? I think it's awesome when you uh, can speak when you're not on mute. So uh, I think that's something I can learn. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us and thanks for coming on the podcast tonight. And you're the new host of the EMS Leadership Podcast. Yes, I am. And I'm very excited about that. We just got done uh, actually taping a show just a few minutes ago. And uh, it's going to be really great. We're going to talk about... uh, giving some guidance to the new supervisor and the new leaders and uh, go ahead and listen up for that. I think you'll really enjoy it. Very cool. Well, I can't wait to see it. The new leadership.com podcast will be, I think we'll probably post those either Fridays or Saturdays every week, depending on uh, what Chris's schedule is. And we also hope to get those um, on vocal here very soon, as soon as we work on the technology. So thanks for joining us tonight. Also joining us, Mr. James Warmoth, all the way from Texas. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, if you need to run for the baby, we understand. 
Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> you don't look too tired from uh, dealing with the baby. Also joining us is Miss Medic 61 herself. I thought you were on the phone there. So uh, yeah, that's Maris. And help me with your last name. Schwar- I always want to say Sugar, but it's Schwager. Something like that. Shoewager. Oh, whatever. Shoewager. Close, but no cigar. Yeah, sorry if I keep grabbing my ears. These are anatomically unfit for my ears. So... My apologies. <laughs> Very cool. And uh, are you a paramedic now or yet? No, I am actually in nursing school. I'm still an EMT Ooh. basic. Um, so, yeah, I decided to go for my RN. And then once I'm an RN, I'll bridge to paramedic since there's no P to RN bridge in Virginia. It'll happen someday, I promise. I really promise. It's coming. It's coming. Uh, also joining me tonight is Miss Paramedic. You know her. Well, you know her as Miss Paramedic. I know her as Natalie Quibido. How are you doing, ma'am? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. You know, I. Uh, it's nice to have two chicks. Can I say chicks? It's affectionate. It's not mean. Yeah. All right, cool. We're, we're, yeah, it's two chicks. Two chicks and a dog. I think it's the first favorite. dog on the podcast. <laughs> You're eating a french fry. <laughs> <laughs> You're feeding your dog a french fry? A, a french fry is bigger than that dog. Yeah, uh, he needs right on i think i think we're taxing i think we're taxing you in a little bit well thank you for joining us also joining us mr kyle david bates um and i will i will mention one thing we did get one suggestion for the show this week and i will not repeat it because it came mr peter cody sorry dude funny idea but uh i'm not 18 anymore so uh he had an idea for me to play with your name and do some weird things but i'm not going to do that as you can probably imagine you've probably already been there Just i saying. think he's the original person on that huh <laughs> probably that's why that's why we're not gonna do oh. it. hey do you know that it <laughs> do you know if you say something in front of it it means something else <laughs> anyway oh my god <laughs> how have you been it's really kind of sad because my poor son um the younger if you go back and if you look at the proper way you you pronounce names uh of the young the young male of a household um, me being the father, it's Mister. But as you go down to the younger generation, um, when my f- son was born, uh, his aunt, who actually is my wife's aunt, uh, sent him a letter, and it was addressed to Master Holden uh, for that. And she didn't realize what she had done, so that was kind of funny for that. But Chris, how are you tonight? I'm good. I'm just here. Um, apparently, we have an audio problem on vocal. Um, I have a feeling it's when we're doing the switching. And if you're hearing it during the switching, I'm sorry. Uh, but we will try to do the multi-shot as much as we can. And that I'm bringing up right now. So you're all on multi-shot now and enjoy that. So last but certainly not least, the only guy that's apparently not coming on our show to see his face is Mr. Ben Hoffman, all the way from NZ. How are you, sir? Oh mate, I'm good. I'm actually not doing too well. I'm um, I'm sick. I'm like all snotty and chesty, so I'm probably going to stay home tonight because I'm. Once again, I should be sleeping for work tonight, but I'm talking to you five people. So, yeah. <laughs> but it is, it's three in the afternoon. So what? Big deal. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> I'm just staying home tonight. My supervisor's probably hearing us right now, going, "Dude, you are so getting written up." Yeah. Well, they they won't know till they hear the podcast come out. Unless they're on live, and then that would be bad. Um, so thank you guys for joining us tonight. So the first thing I wanted to talk about. So last week we talked about the about the Canadians that crashed, that drove the ambulance into the lake, which we all talked about the idea of longer shifts and those ideas. Uh, wait, 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 blah, wait, wait, blah, wait, blah, wait, wait. Blah, blah. Oh, here he, it comes. They didn't drive into the lake. They fell off a cliff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right, whatever. They fell okay. off. I'm trying. I'm trying to give you. I'm trying to give you some bait there. Anyway, so the next. So then this week, an ambulance crashed in Walker County, Georgia, and they said that it was the driver was cited for careless driving because he apparently fell asleep at the wheel. They, he was 11 hours into his 24-hour shift, and as you read through this article, it was on EMS World and a few other websites. The I guess the problem I had with it was they were saying, well, 24-hour shifts are the reason why. But it was in the 11th hour. So then they were like, well, we need to have shorter shifts. If it was the 12th hour, it wouldn't have made a difference. So I wanted to bring it up as maybe a point of talking and see 
at what point do we move? And we talked about this on the leadership podcast. Oh gosh. Episode 30 ish, um, about long, longer shifts and what is the right UHU for what's the right amount of calls for a 24 hour shift or, uh, whatever. And Skip Kirkwood has some interesting ideas behind this, but we've all been in the, in the role of working long shifts in our, in our industry. And I just wanted to see what you guys thought. Um, I'll kind of open up to you. You know, being uh, well, well, there we go. Let's all talk at once. <laughs> uh, Chris, go ahead. Okay. Well, you know, I, I think that uh, being an EMS and starting off with 24-hour shifts, we've kind of all been there initially. And depending on how busy the system is, is depending on you know, how tired that you're going to get. But I've always been opposed to the 24-hour shifts because I can't guarantee that the medicine I'm going to give at 3 o'clock in the morning is the medicine I'm going to give when I start off at 7 o'clock in the morning. One of the things that we have going up here in St. Louis is that um, we have a, UA, a response UHU of 0.8. Ooh. These, these guys are up 22 hours of a 24-hour shift responding to calls, and they're transporting 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6, uh, which is about 55, 60% of the time. They're responding to call 80% of the time. And you just can't get the people to understand that these guys are tired and something is going to happen. And we've got to be proactive to ensure that we can stop that. But wouldn't you agree, though, that there's probably a time like a UHU of 0.2, 0.3 and less that a 24-hour shift is probably okay? You know, you're flipping the coin now. Now, now we need to talk about uh, how much money are they willing to give us to run a system. And uh, if you have uh, 46,000 calls a year, 100,000 calls a year, to run a point two, you're almost doubling the resources you need. No, 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 no. See, I think you're – I'm saying that there's, there are systems out there, mine included, that run less than a point two, And we work 48-hour shifts because it just makes sense. And – because our call volume is is low enough that I know we're going to do five to six calls today pretty steadily, but you know most of our transports are forty five minutes to an hour um, one way. So with that understanding, we we staff around that idea that we have two crews on. They work they're working under that under that volume. So is that not okay? I mean, I'm not saying that every system should become a point two system. No. I'm saying that at what level do we drop the threshold to say, okay, your system does this amount of calls. Can we drop the, can we say the expectation now is you can do 24 hour shifts? Well, I think that those, those are good flips of the coin. If, if we knew, uh, how the, how the UHU was going to be affected by, how many resources we're going to put on? I think that I think that uh, we can really make a difference in ensuring that these people are going to be well rested. Okay. Other thoughts from the audience, from the panel. Sorry. No, it's it's interesting. I've been doing this a little over twenty years, and I go back to. Oh, God, 15, 18 years ago, there's articles on whether or not 16 or 24-hour shifts were, you know, were dangerous or they're beneficial. Some studies showed that they showed no difference. Some studies showed that they were killing people on that. And it's been really a, a question that we've been you know, kind of playing with for years. And I think a lot of it, people that may be supporting it are probably working in I would suspect in a fire-based system where that type of shift is is normal. But when you get into a commercial EMS system, you know, you don't have that ability. Most of these uh, commercial-based systems are system status management. They're sitting on corners. They don't have that ability to have downtime or rest time. Yeah, they can try to take a nap in an ambulance, but that's still not good rest. And then you also approach the point of view as, okay, let's say that you say 12 hours is your max, all right. Well, if 12 hours is my max. Great. I'm done with 12 hour shift. I'm now going to go to my next shift. And we have people in EMS that are going from job to job to job. So really, that's something we have to look at. I know in flight medicine, we had a rules. We weren't allowed to work at all within eight hours of, of our flight shift. Um, and that's 
pretty standard throughout the industry. And that's something that we also have to look at. So it's a bigger, broader picture than doing a, an eight hour, 16 hour, 24 hour shift. It's, it's, it's how much downtime you have between shifts for that. And even if you are working a 24 hour shift, and you're not up that whole time, your body's still in that ready to go mode. Yeah, I'm going to jump in here and say that I come from a background as um, a licensed pilot with over sort of three or 4,000 hours. Um, it's also where a lot of my other background has come from apart from my um, clinical training. So I agree with Kyle. We need to look at what the aviation industry is doing. Um, shifts here, for example, are 12 hours. Um, fire and ambulance are 12 hours. The police are 10 um, a lot of that factors are to the fact that we are quite tightly legislated on how long we can drive for. Um, a 24-hour shift is not appropriate. It's dangerous. Um, when you start looking at human factors, sleep patterns, people's circadian rhythms, when people are working two or three jobs because they're only earning 12 or 13 an hour as a, as a um, advanced life support provider, um, when you have guys who are sitting at a gas station and who can't have adequate rest. Um, sorry, Jack Stout, but we don't use system status management here. We go back to a nice warm station and we watch telly or we sleep if there's no jobs. Um, so I think they are quite dangerous. I don't think they're good for a number of factors. Um, we, can only, we can only work for five and a half hours maximum and then we, we must have a break. And if we don't, we get stood down, someone else comes into cover, we can only work 13 hours out of any 24, um, but no, I, I don't agree with 24-hour shifts, and the fire service may be, because, well, let's face it, the fire service spent 98% of their time sleeping. Sorry, fire service. Um, <laughs> but no, I, 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 yeah, look, I'm, yeah. Uh, no, look, I, I don't think they're acceptable in, for a range of different reasons. But, okay, so Ben, I'm going to take you to task a little bit. You come from a well-funded, government-run system that's basically almost nationwide um, that can afford to do that. Um, sure, I would love to have 12-hour shifts where I work, but it would, it would double the need for personnel. And that's a very expensive proposition. True. I understand that to fund us is that depending on the amount of people you have, how much cover you need, how much you're paying them, yes. Um, Well-funded uh, is debatable. Government-run, no. We're government-contracted. Eh, um, same diff. Somebody, the government writes you a big check to, put, to do your ambulance service, correct? Yes. Okay, just checking. Well, they... They write us a check anyway. Um, a but, really big check. I've seen the number. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I. It needs to be a, a big, that's big for another discussion. Well, see, now if you did 24-hour anyway, shifts, you'd get more money. <laughs> uh, well, Sorry. Just, just being the devil's advocate. Uh, no, that's I, I know. I know. That's fine. Uh, but, so go ahead. Sorry, you were going to ask me something? Oh, no. I was just going to say, well, Natalie or um, Maris, do you guys have anything to add? Of course, yeah, I have definitely. Dad. Of course, you guys do. <laughs> um, well, one of you choose and go ahead. Natalie, go ahead. Merci. Um, so I work twenty-four hour shifts. I've been working twenty-four hour shifts since the day I started my company as a brand new EMT. Um, and I used to pull two and hour shifts. It's what we do. We're very short staffed. It's our way of life here in rural Louisiana. Um, but. I was reading the article, and that's kind of what brought that to my mind. This, this person was in the 11th hour. No matter what, I feel like maybe he wasn't arrested for a shift. And we can't argue saying, well, 24-hour shift's doing this. Obviously, there... Did you guys lose me? I'm sorry. Um, no, I, I, lost you off the, I lost you off the okay. vocal because your I think your video and your audio are causing you to cut out so um I, I just oh, okay. I can't okay. I can't hear you when you talk. So I want to hear you. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay, okay, go ahead, continue. Um so so what I'm saying is that no matter what, this person was still exhausted for a shift, he fell asleep in the eleventh hour of twenty four. So we can't really say that it's twenty four hour shifts causing this. If you don't get enough rest before your shift, that's your own fault. And Maybe we should have something as employers or managers to put something in place, like Kyle had said about eight-hour shifts. 
I mean, eight hours before your shift, you can't work. But who checks that? I mean, what's keeping our employees in check of how much rest they're getting? Because we do drug tests. We do all these other things to, in, to <clears throat> ensure safety. But where is the system in check in this place, in this instance, you know? You know, but sorry, here's the... No, here's the thing, though. Now, as I agree with you, but the problem is it comes down to, especially in commercial EMS, is I was making $13 an hour as a flight medic. I could not have a family with one job. And that's what they want you to do. And that's what a lot of these commercial services do is they pay you at these lower scale wages. So you have to work multiple jobs. So by putting into effect that, okay, you can't work beforehand, ties our arms even more. Yeah, you know, I mean, I agree in terms of the safety aspect, but we're trying to raise families on on not great wages. Yeah, that's a really great point, David. And we we see that that our that our employees are trying to work thirty six hours in a row, and it's just not safe. And and we really have to regulate what these what our employees are doing, but but they're just trying to make ends meet. But it's not safe. No, it's not. Look, I I kind of excuse me um, a little chesty um, I feel the same way as that it's not safe um, if you look at again when I draw on my experience in the aviation industry is that um, that's quite tightly regulated you have maximum work time our truck drivers have maximum work time our ambulance officers as commercial drivers have maximum work time and if you are but then again we're paid substantially better than in the US, and if you are earning, as as I've seen, and I know people, I have friends who earn, you know, minimum wage as a paramedic, and it's if, and as Kyle said, if you're trying to raise a family on, you know, two three jobs, you can't regulate people. Say, okay, you have stand down periods because it doesn't work, and that's really a problem you can't really get around. But um, the other thing we need to look at is how much of the, of the guys' time who are in the high systems who are running call after call after call after call. How long are these guys driving for? Who drives? Um, what sort of driver fatigue, driver training programs do they have? Um, and who who is driving? Is it the guy who's 19 and it's his first job? Or is it someone who's been doing it for 20 years and he's next trucker with a CDL? Because that's another factor. Um, is a 24-hour shift as bad? But when you combine that, excuse me again, a lot of people, um, they will have the the lower qualified officer driving and that's all he does is drive when you combine that with these long shifts then that's another thing we need to look at as well very true Maris did you have something uh, yeah I was just going to say I used to work um, 24 hour shifts or longer when I volunteered um, at one of our rescue squads my, my former rescue squad um, we were allowed to work up to 36 hours I believe um, and of course this was all uncompensated so um, this was of our own choosing and now I only did this maybe once a month or once every other week but because we were very rural um, we were only running anywhere from 7 to 12 calls a day I'd say um, so there was plenty of time to sleep even if it wasn't at night um, and I find that for us working a 24 hour shift was no big deal we got to eat, we got to sleep, watch TV and hang out and then we got to work um, and so that was very effective for us um, now I did a ride along with the fire critic um, and that's a bigger city and they were they were running um, a lot more often then um, and I remember thinking wow, doing 24 hours here would be really hard, um, and I don't know function in the morning after running all night. Um, so I think I think it's just, like it's been said, it's situational. If, if you can get some sleep and get some rest and get some food and all that, then that's great. But if it's to the point where you're just stressing your medics out, um, I think you're probably doing more harm than good. I'm impressed you were running a volunteer system doing 7 to 10 calls a day. Yeah, we we were one of the bigger ones in our area, um, and of course there were days where we wouldn't get anything, <laughs> um, but we were half paid, half volunteer. Ah. Um, yes, so but um, even still, I'd say we had more volunteer um, than paid, and and so that was you know it was good. It was nice to get out there and get a chance to prove that volleys aren't um, as incompetent as they seem to make us out to be. Hey, I started out as a volunteer, and I'll probably end up as one someday. Uh, <laughs> James, let's get to you in a minute, because I, I know you have a different perspective coming from the private industry. But uh, I want to I address the question that came from S, 
SGJ Broyles at Twitter. Um, even when I'm in the field doing tailgate medicine, I at least get a chance to catch a couple of hours. What's tailgate medicine? Does anybody know? I may have to get some clarification on that. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that's something like street and treat. Oh. I, I guess it would be Standby? the opposite, treat and street. S S G J. if you can tell us what that means in the chat or something, that would be great. Chris, by the way, that's uh, Staff Sergeant. Oh, Staff Sergeant C. I don't know. <laughs> Staff Sergeant. I was yeah. I'm, I'm the whatever. I don't know. Just I'm just to make saying his name like it says on the thing, you know? Uh, anyway, that's pretty funny. Yeah, okay. So I'm kind of a dork. Um, well, I can I could barely pronounce Chris Sabalero's name until Sabalero, sorry, uh, until we met at EMS Expo. So you know. and you're doing very well with that. I know. So I'm, well, it's because I, I saw to send you, you do a it. special in the mail. Because you did it like this, and I saw I saw your mouth do it, and it was okay. So James, tell me what well, we just got to get you to learn mine. Yeah, shwuga, 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 baby. Uh, so <laughs> James, what's yours from? the idea of the private industry. I mean, you guys do all inner facility transports. You don't do a lot of 911. What's your, what's your take on that? Well, first of all, uh, I'll mention that I do do 24 hour shifts. Um, and I do them for a couple of reasons, but you know, ultimately I don't like the 24 hour shifts mainly because when you're look, when you're working in a 911 setting, you know, the average, and I'm I'm going to get a lot of kickback from this, but you know, the average trip to the hospital is 15 to 30 minutes. You know, in 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 the stereotypical city, you know, um, for us, if if we're to on on our longest transports, it's three to four hours one way, and the problem there is is that you know you do a call, it's three hours up there, three hours back. And then that gives them plenty of time for another call to come in and hit you. And it's not uncommon for us to put uh, a thousand or twelve or you know twelve hundred miles on a truck in a given shift. And when we're doing that, I mean it's it's full twenty four. We're running. It's you know. And yes, you catch little naps on your way back from 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 you know coming back without a patient without a patient on board. But it's still you end you end up at the end of the day you you left the station at eight o'clock in the morning and you didn't come back till eight o'clock the next morning, you know, and so for for me I don't like the twenty four hour shift mainly because of of the fact that you know we we really don't have any 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 good anchor time with that. Um, I, I, having said that, I do it mainly because I do other things as well on my two days off, and I like that. Well, okay. I mean, that that's a good point. Um, apparently, uh, tailgate medicine is treating and releasing at the scene out of his Humvee. Is that right? Am I, am I correct in his assumption there of, uh, let's see, H, oh, well, because in the, in the chat he put H-M-M-W-V. I assume that meant Humvee, eh, some military thing. Uh, well... Okay, I mean, I'm, I mean, military is way different, I think, too, from civilian medicine a little bit from the from the fact that you guys are pretty much always on duty is the way I see it, and especially when you're a hot zone or something like that, I think that it would be at least my understanding that you're pretty much doing it as much as you can and as often as you can. But uh, it is good to see that you do get a nap when doing that, but. I guess this begs the bigger question. We really haven't, we've skirted the topic. We've said, okay, here's what we do. But, you know, what is the answer? You know, this guy wrecked at 11, at hour 11 in his 12-hour shift. Is it because, as an industry, many of our EMTs and paramedics have extra jobs? Is it because we can't pay well? Is it because this medic may have, you know, been up all night partying the night before? I don't know. Um, is it because this guy has a newborn baby at home and he's tired? I mean, I think that there's a lot of factors that go into that that we can't necessarily legislate that, you know, at hour 11, you will take a nap. And at hour 15, you will take a nap. And at hour blah, blah, blah. I, I just don't see that. That's not a very good thing. And the, and before you come into shift, you will have eight hours of rest and you will have blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's a great idea. But Kyle, you said that earlier, um, being a flight medic, how often did you really get 
that time to go home and recoup where you didn't have something else to do? It was occasionally, but you know, we tried to go on there, but we had to work other jobs. It was right. tough. We, you know, teaching going and it was, it's a hard thing. You know, luckily here in Buffalo, when it's winter time, we ain't flying. You know, we get the snowstorms coming in, so it's like, oh, yeah, moving the house today. We're not going to go anywhere. You know, it's like a mile of visibility maybe um, on that. But I think the other thing we need to, to look at is, is not only the additional jobs, but, you know, in our system, we, we, we work eight hours for our system. We'll run one truck. Um, we'll run at least sometimes 14 calls in those eight hours. That's going cool. from call to call to call to call. Now, we don't necessarily always transport. If it's a BLS call, we, we go ahead and give that over to the, the ambulance service. If it's an ALS call, we ride in with the patient uh, for that. But if you look at it, EMS is one of the, besides fire, but you know I don't think fire has a call volume. I mean, you look at about two-thirds of all 911 calls in the United States are EMS or medical related. And... They get downtime. We don't get lunch. The police officers, they get lunch. They get times to themselves. We don't have that. From the moment that we step in and clock in, we're on duty until the time we leave. And it's hard, not only in terms of you don't get that rest time, but your body is always in a state of readiness. You're always in that state of responding. You can never truly relax. And like I said earlier, if we're going to another call in EMS, we're burning ourselves out. Um, and I mean, again, I've been doing this 20 years. I worked multiple jobs doing this. I'm not burned. I may not be burned out like, oh, I hate this job because I love it. But you're mentally fatigued and you're physically fatigued. And that's, I think, one thing we need to start looking at. I got to tell I just you, man, say- Chris, Sorry, go ahead. Go, go ahead, Chris. I mean, I got to tell you, man, at 45 years old, I am just happy that I don't have to do 24-hour shifts anymore. And uh, even when I was younger, we used to do that, and I'd run 15 to 16 calls in a 24-hour period. I was sleeping the next day. You know, you're on 24 hours on, 24 hours off, Mm -hmm. or 48 hours off, and uh, I just couldn't survive the next day. It wasn't how tired I was. It was easy for me to stay up when I was younger for 24 hours, but it was the next day. I I was sleeping the whole day away. I wasn't getting anything done. But, you know, when we talk about uh, the accident that occurred at the 11th hour, that kind of is pretty pointy. And the accident occurred at the 11th hour. But, um, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just so, I think I, they all can't be funny. But um, there's a lot of factors that could have went into that. But I think that we have to be able, as, as managers, we have to be able to look at what our employees are doing and be able to keep them safe as well. And if 24-hour shifts just aren't going to cut it in your system, we may have to be able to find the money to, to ensure that the staffing is there, that uh, that our patients are going to be taken care of, that our employees are going to be taken care of, because it's only a matter of time before uh, the worst is going to happen. I like nap time. That's right. We I'm serious. Get mats. I, we do. All get nap I am dead just- serious. I, we have a we have a mandatory quiet time at our stations from one to three o'clock. The one the thing, really, <laughs> yep. now the one thing that the flight medicine do, that they do is you are supposed to have an area of rest. You're supposed to have an area that you can get away, and they have a bed. I mean, that's the one thing that's pretty much standard throughout the flight world is you have to have your your rest time. The pilots are mandated about how often they can fly and for how long they can fly. And maybe that's something we need to start looking at. You know, we hammer on the flight industry. We've been hammering on, on the flight industry for how many podcasts have we done between the first few moments and, and EMS Garage is hammering the flight industry, Chris? A lot. Uh, a lot. But I think the one thing we need to look at is they do have some great safety measures. You know, maybe we should start limiting how long someone can drive. And you mentioned that earlier, Chris, um, in terms of, of commercial truckers. And I think we should start doing some best practices studies of these other industries and find out what they're doing. And we need to adopt them. And you know, I'll tell you, if, if people don't want to pay for it, I, I think we're losing too many people. We're causing too many accidents as it is. Um, and we need to come up with a solution. Mm, I, to hop in here and Kyle, I completely agree. I come from the world of being, um, again, from a different side of the airline world or the aviation world. And it's, let me, it's very, very heavily regulated um, on a long flight. 
you know the captain's in back having a sleep, and seriously, he is. Um, but if we look at that, um, my thoughts are, well, if you're working 24 hours on, as an example, how many days are you getting off? How many people are working on their days off because they need the money? Again, who is driving? How, how long are they allowed to drive for? How long have they been driving already? How much driver training do they have? Because that's the, let's face it, that's the most dangerous part of any of is, yeah, yeah, is, is driving. Exactly right. Oh, excuse me. Um, and also that if we look at limiting how long people can work for, well, we get into the problems when you get into the more systemic issues of whether they haven't got enough people, we don't have enough funding. Um, it doesn't happen because we aren't unionized enough. And we all come back to the – we seem to come back to the same problems every week. Um, but that's that's my take on it. Um, all right. So now um, – Normal job, I can only work 15 hours in 24 or drive those little cherubs 10 hours, DOT regs. All right, don't really know what that means. It's hard to, it's hard to add that. It's hard to get that all in that little text box, I know. Um, well, so what do we what do we need to do as an industry do we need to start creating regulations surrounding how long we can work or i mean what what do we need to do you know it really it really has to be uh uh it really has to be agency specific you know i don't think that I don't think that the rules for 911 apply the same to rules of transfer versus, you know, and, and the rules of air don't necessarily transfer to ground. That it, it I don't think we can have any direct legislation that it, it has to come down to the individual companies uh, based on what they do and how they do it. I disagree with you on that because if I'm an owner and I and, and I make money based on how much I can drive you and how far I can drive you without any regulations, I'm going to do it. And that's the problem that's happening, James, is that you have a lot of these four project private companies are looking at it and saying, "Listen, I can the cheapest way I can run my service." Sorry, sorry for the folks in commercial. I've been commercial. I've been a director in commercial EMS. Okay, and and there are some very good ones out there. But you have those folks out there that are going to push people as long as they can do. Because if I can push you, I don't have to bring someone else in. It's going to be cheaper. And that's the problem we're running into. I don't think you can put it in the, into the hands of them. And that's what's happening in the flight service right now is we're saying, well, here, flight people, you make the decisions. And they're making poor decisions, causing a lot of these accidents. Thank you. That I also, I also agree with that. With Kyle. I'm sorry, Chris. Um, is that now, again, I know I'm in a completely different universe down here, but we have multiple services. Um and we have direct legislation. I know it's difficult in the states because you guys have each state's different, and then you have to fend there, 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 there. Um, But my counter argument would be: Why can you not directly legislate and say, "Okay, you will have X amount of work time, X amount of rest time, X amount of driving hours um, with rest periods"? I mean, we do it. Um, Australia is fighting very hard to do it. Um, I know Canada does it and the US does it for other industries for example um, the aviation industry but it's federally regulated though and also with long haul truckers and things like that I'm not too sure how that's done but so my counter argument is well why can't we do it okay well and it, it, well, is that a move that we need to do from within our industry or without? But real quick, Maris, I know you have to run to work, so do you want to say goodbye? Yes, I'm so sorry, everybody. I have work tonight You're from midnight to eight, so You're such I know a jerk. I feel like such a jerk. Oh man, you don't even know. I'm so sorry, but it was really fun hanging out with you guys, and uh, you're always making me feel way less intelligent when I'm with you guys. Um, so uh, thanks for everything, and I hope you guys have a good rest of your podcast. And I hope I will be back sometime that I don't have to go to work. 
We love having you on. It's been like ep- you were like on episode twenty, and you haven't been yeah, back yet. It's, Thanks a lot. It's Thanks been a lot for ages. Digits. All right. Thanks, guys. Have Thank a good you. one. All right, hang up on us now. Good night. Bye. Be that way. Bye. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. no, we really appreciate it. Um, and while you're listening to the podcast, Audible.com, right here on the screen, Audible.com. I will give you two free books. There are no strings attached. I promise you. Um, I did it this week. I didn't even have to enter my credit card number. Um, two free books, any of your choice. Um, email me, call us. If you call us, you have a better chance to get the giveaway than if you email me. Um, and then I'll throw in the free Boingo one hour wireless anywhere, almost a hundred thousand locations. Thanks to Boingo and audible.com for their generous donation to the EMS garage and, and giving these giveaways away. Please call in because I want to give this stuff away. I have, okay, literally I have this many hours of Boingo to give away. So please call. Cause I have a lot. Of What's the phone to... number? <laughs> 303-720-6001. And Kyle, since you're a host, you can't win. Um, anyway, Darn. I know. And I have, I have the, this many audible Ooh, books. I, to give away. To Alaska. I know my hope. I need something to do in the airport yeah, there for maybe a while. I'll give, maybe I'll give you one. All right. Uh, so, <laughs> and that was generously donated. Three or... well, yeah. Well, that, there you go. Well, that was generously donated when I was out at, uh, at blog world if you're a blogger or or in any type of industry where you're talking to people um i would highly suggest going to blog world next year it's awesome anyway so how do we do how do we regulate this from within our industry or from without how do what do we need to do do we need to have a massive uprising and and start doing it how did they do it in the airline industry was it was it the feds coming down on them or was it themselves doing it from without the feds are coming down a lot more they're starting to increase more the faa is finally you know kicking in but i think one thing we need to do is to I hate to use the word do more studies, but I think we need to have a round table. I think we need to have I hate to use the term hearings, but I think we need to look into this and bring the commercial service and bring the municipal services in there, bring all these groups together and sit and, and, and talk and come up with with a consensus of some safety measures. And that's where I think we should start. I think this should probably start with the potentially the uh, National Association of EMS, uh, state EMS directors, um, you know, with uh, even maybe even going into NAMSI should get involved with the educators. I think every national organization that's out there should start looking at this, work on their ends, because you're going to need NAMSI for the education components. You're going to need the, the state directors to start implementing these things and bring them together and then have representatives from each one of those groups go into a, a federal or even an international roundtable um, on this to start discussing this because you know we've been hammering flight industry for killing people. Well, we're killing people on the ground as well. Very good point. Yeah, that's, that's a tough question. I mean, I think that more people get involved with making rules for our career field, the more problems we're going to have. And uh, you know, as, as um, Kyle said earlier. You know, you're going to have some organizations out there that are just going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing because they know that that's what they're going to be able to get. And as much as I hate to say it, I think there needs to be some outside regulatory agency who steps in to say this is what we're going to allow. But I think what we need to do is we need to look at the research or we need to do some type of, um, well, some type of research that's going to say how common is this? How much is this happening? You know, you hear every so often of an accident that's occurred, but what's it really related to? What was it a human factor? You know, was it that they're up all night? Was it that they're working in their thirty-sixth hour? I don't know that we really know those answers, and I think until we know that, we may be making a mountain out of a molehill. Well, there is the EMS adverse reporting. Um, and Chris, that would be a great one to have on the leadership podcast there. They created the, the anonymous EMS incident reporting, um, out of the university of Pittsburgh. That was uh, Daniel Patterson who did that great guy over there. He's a PhD and doing a lot of research in EMS. Um, but it's going to take things like that. Um, I hate, I, I agree with you, Kyle. I hate to have a round table. Um, but I don't know if the, the Nesimso guys are really the guys to do it. They're, they're bureaucrats and they, they really care about what the industry's doing, um, today. They don't care about looking, no, they're going to probably get some hate mail on this, but I don't really think that they haven't, they really don't necessarily want to look at what's going on 
you know, five years, 10 years down the road. And especially when it, when it talks about employer, um, employee, and really looking at those type of rights. They're, they're looking at more global pictures as far as how the, you know, how do they implement paramedics in their, in their state and things like that. Um, yeah, I think driver training has a little bit to do with it, but I'm not sure that that's, that's it. I, I, I'm miffed that we still seem to want to drive two twenty thousand pound vehicles to a, to a scene. Um, you know, why do we need a twenty thousand pound vehicle to transport a um, two on average two hundred pound person? Kind of crazy. Um, that was a that was a quote from one of my <laughs> very astute paramedics today. He's like, he's he's uh, expecting a baby, and uh, we said, oh yeah, you know, before you know it, you're going to need a suburban. And he goes, you mean I need a suburban to haul around an eight pound human? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's all the other stuff. Uh, but I think that we need to get rid of that stuff in our industry a little bit. Um, I agree, definitely. And we don't we don't need. 20 backboards and all the extra IV supplies for the mat for that once in a very blue moon when it happens. And you know what, when it happens, it's going to suck anyway. So, and the stuff that was on the back of the shelf, you're probably never going to check. And uh, don't get me on my soapbox anyway. Roll so, aluminum foil. Yeah. Oh, I, I put on my hat at night, aluminum foil. hat. <laughs> I have to keep out, I have you to know, keep out the aliens. The, oh boy. Nobody wants to touch that one. Okay, and here we oh, go. Oh, we're leaving, we're leaving uh, that one yeah. alone. So, uh, Natalie, people yep. are flirting with you in the chat, but do you have any constructive things to add to this? She's too busy chanting. I know. Apparently, she Cute. doesn't want to listen. Oh, Jesus. I had to. No, I had to take her off because I can't hear her when she's talking. But apparently, she's on that. mute. Okay, whatever. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I was on mute and not um, paying attention yeah, like, to what we're saying. Or it's me. I'm ADD. Um, but I don't know. I I have mixed feelings about this subject just because I I don't want to go to twelve hour shift, and I think it's because of the I think it's because of the money. So call me greedy, but I do think there needs to be um, a better way to implement safety in our industry because we are not only dealing with other people's lives, but our own and our partners. And, um, you know, I want to get home within the shift and I want my partner to get home to his family at the end of the shift too. So I have mixed feelings. Well, what if we paid you the same to do eight hours less a week? That'd be fun. But I guess I think 24 hour shifts are so convenient for me because I can do two shifts a week and get 48 hours. And then I have five days off. You know, I do like my schedule now, I work Friday and Sunday. So I have every other day off, you know, I mean, I have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday off, Saturday off, you know, so I'm kind of spoiled. How many calls are you running in that 24 hour period? Um, it depends. Uh, the other day we were really busy and we ran 20 calls in 24 hours. Oh. And some days, oh. yeah. And I think some he, days, I actually, I think a better question you, would be is What's the average length of time of a call? There you go. <clears throat> well, um, I do work out of a small-ish city, so our transport times are about 10 to 12 minutes um, from home to hospital. We only transport to one hospital. Um, but sometimes we do respond to calls that are 45 minutes to an hour transport. So it just depends on where we're getting called to in the parish. Okay, so I guess here's the real question. Out of those 24 hours, how many hours did you work? How many hours did I work? Yes. Probably 22 or 23. <laughs> we didn't sleep. And there you go. So I think yeah. that, that would be more telling than, oh, I did. Yeah, okay, so if I did five, let's say I did five calls a day. But like in James' example, I did five calls a day. Well, those five calls, if it took 20 hours to complete all five of those calls, that's pretty, that's pretty telling. And maybe we should, um, maybe we should be looking at time on task versus call volume. Maybe that's a, maybe that would be a better indicator. More like the flight service. That's something you, that's actually something you can actually follow and chart. You know, we can actually look at our call times and say, okay, Per call, you're running this, you're, you're spending this much time, and we can actually chart that as management and say, okay, this is what we need to do, or, you know, it's a, it's a number. I like numbers. Right. Well, but, you know, I, I think the main... 
Okay, is um, is apart from the risk it creates with driving, which is sort of really my big sticking point, because um, we don't have ambulance crashes here. We had one which ran someone over on a pedestrian crossing, but that was like three years ago. It just doesn't happen. Um, and I think it's because we're so well regulated and our drivers aren't guys who are cruising around in these big, you know, big massive pieces of machinery and who like to drive fast. But that's probably, I know I'm, I'm getting some hate mail from over the Pacific on that one. But the other thing is that these 24-hour shifts um, or long shifts are quite, are quite uh, they create adverse clinical risk as well. And as an example, my last night shift was 13 hours. I didn't actually do it. Well, the crew did, I think, nine jobs in 13 hours, and it was really busy. Um, we went to a job at about 4 o'clock in the morning, um, and there was myself and one other officer who was um, technically allowed to interpret an ECG. And I'm looking at this ECG, and I'm going, um, 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 uh, I, I couldn't work it out. I, I didn't know if it was SVT or if it was just sinus tachycardia or because I'm, 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 I was tired. I was going, um, 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 I don't know what this is. And if you're the only officer there who is advanced life support capable and you're working with someone who can't, um, assist you when it comes to ECGs and deeper patient assessment, um, meds and things like that. And if you're working, and if you've been working for the last 22 hours, and you're tired and you're going, um, uh, hang on, um, amiodarone's owns 105 mils and percent of dextrose. Um, um, uh, you're bound to do something wrong, and you, it's it's going to come back and it's going to kill someone. Maybe. I think the other thing you have to look at is, and kind of going back to what Natalie was saying about, you know, you can check someone from time of call to time of cleared, but you also need to add in there, you know, restocking times, drive times back to the facility, refueling times, cleaning times. So all those additional laboring has to be evaluated as well, which I think a lot of management doesn't. Do. They just look at the time the unit's in service to time it's out of service and don't really take into part all the prep time uh, that's included. Yeah, that's why I hate the UHU model because it doesn't – UHU means unit, unit hour utilization. And that means how many – of one hour, how many, um, how many parts of that hour were the unit engaged? Um, so when we say 0.5 UHUs, that means if you're working a 12-hour shift, six hours of that 12-hour shift, your unit is engaged. Generally, that means either responding to a call, transporting a patient, um, and that's pretty much it. Um, they, when they, when they created the UHU model, they really didn't look at taking the back half of that, like how long it took you to return to service. Um, for us, it's another 45 minutes to return to service before we get that ambulance back because of the, because of the distance involved. So if the hospital was in my town, no problem, right back in service. But since they're not, it takes them a while to, to circulate back into the system. Uh, but Kyle, you also make a great point. We also need to be looking at the auxiliary tasks that go around the call there's, there is the restocking, there is the report writing, there is the billing piece, there is all of those other little things. And I would say a good medic and a good team could be, be expected to take uh, anywhere between 15 to 20 minutes extra per call to do restock and re-clean and, and do the paperwork and the report and everything like that so i don't know maybe maybe i'm crazy but uh that seems like that would be a good a good round number i'm sure some are longer some are shorter people that work at DG, denver health in denver would probably say oh well we are we're time on task five minutes we're back in service okay fine great good hey, for well, you i look at that also what's the quality <laughs> no comment <laughs> and that goes into who you're working for and, you know, if it's a private EMS, if it's fire-based, because it seems that when you have task times that you're trying to stick to, when I was uh, working in a public utility model that worked for a private contractor, 
you had a 60-minute total task time that you needed to stick to. And you needed to get all your work, you need to get respond to that call and get all that work done and be back on task within 60 minutes. It was a challenge sometimes. And, but, then, but then you took pride in trying to reach that. But then you get back into service quicker, you were getting another call, which added to the fact that you're running more calls now in a 24-hour mm. period. Isn't that the downside, that the faster you get back into service, the more calls you get? Yeah. Got it. Exactly. But you know that oh, that's it's it's interesting. interesting. I'm sorry, Chris, go ahead. But then you get into the whole uh, the thought of, what are you there for? I came up with the realization that I'm there for 24 hours. Whatever I got to do, I got to do. If I'm running 100 transfers, I'm running 100 transfers. I never did, but it seemed like it. If I got to answer 20, 20 uh, 911 calls in a 24-hour period, that's what we have to do. And, and I think that's lost now as well. Well, in, in Rochester, New York, they were just doing a pilot program for alternative death. Uh, destination by taking patients to urgent care centers. And it was, it was a great process they had established, but the problem that occurred is that units that took patients to the urgent care center were clearing faster and taking more calls as opposed to the paramedics going to the hospital and taking longer to get out. And they found that the paramedics were less likely to recommend the urgent care centers. So we're also doing it to ourselves. And, mm. you know, you th- think that lazy, I really want to say that laziness is, I mean, I worked in an urban setting. I mean, I worked urban, rural, I worked all different types of, of systems. But when you're, especially in an urban setting and you're running cough to cough to cough to cough, sometimes the only break you get is when you're done with your paperwork, you know, at the hospital. You take a few extra minutes to get back in service. And, the, you know, the services want to be on you. You need to be back in service. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> I need to take a breather for a moment. Well, I don't think we have enough time to touch on our second topic tonight. So I'm going to round what this one. What was it going to be? It was going to be the STEMI results from Oklahoma. And they in Oklahoma City and Tulsa, they said, you know what? We found out that we have a 46% survival rate. Um, with bystander-witnessed ventricular fibrillation patients in an urban setting. And what we want to do is we want to take this statewide. To which I said, well, that's dumb, because not everybody has access to the same amount of care that you do in an urban setting. Nobody thought, nobody's really thinking this through. But hey, that's the topic next week. Yeah, Um, that's right. That'll be a good discussion next week. Well, I'm not saying that we... Uh, sorry, Nat. I still have you. There we go. I'm hearing you twice. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, no, that was my fault. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's... Anyway, we'll get to that next week because what I really want to do is get Tim Noonan on to talk about it because I think he would uh, completely lambaste it. And maybe maybe I'll go well done into it and we'll turn it into some kind of crazy... Uh, crazy mixed up episode so nobody's really named the episode tonight so i'm gonna have to come up with something um n- normally we get some kind of funny thing to to name the episode after um natalie i'll i'll end with you because then that way i can turn your camera off last and you can sit there and stay pretty the whole time like this <laughs> um so if there aren't any other thought i just want to give one more chance to talk about this subject and I, I, we never, as normal with this show, we never solve any issues. We probably raise more questions than we actually answer. But I think the neat thing about this show is we get to sit around and talk about it, um, start stimulating some thought, and who knows? Who knows what's going to happen from it? So, uh, Mr. Chris Sabalero, Sabalero, sorry. Gosh, see, now I'm doing it again. Sabalero, where can people find you? It's actually Sabalero. So I, I thought you said Sabalero. Like yeah. yeah. Okay. But, uh, Twitter, Chief of EMS, come on, follow me. We'll talk about some EMS. Also, the EMS Leadership Podcast, come in and join us, and we'll talk about some great leadership topics in EMS, and uh, we promise you you'll learn something. Who did you have on this week? I had uh, Chips Mack and uh, Sean Holtz, uh, and they were talking about uh, how to influence and lead the new supervisor. Mm, very cool. Right on. We've got uh, some great guests lined up. We're going to talk to uh, Skip Kirkwood we got Connie Meyer who's going to chat with us. Uh, so, you know, come in and join us on the EMS Leadership Podcast. I think you'll really uh, have a great time. 
Very cool. Well, thank you very much, sir. Uh, Mr. James Warmoth, where can people find you? Other than waiting for your baby to cry. <laughs> he actually did pretty well, surprisingly. Uh, you can find me at yellowrubberducky.squarespace.com. has linked all my stuff out there. Yellow Rubber Ducky. You know, that sounds kind of like a... Um, it sounds a little bit like a Beatles song, or it should be, like Yellow Submarine well, it, and Yellow Rubber Ducky. I'll, I'll, I'll just tell this real quick. I mean, there, there's, there's a bigger story here, but essentially um, it, it, it came up, the name came about when I got married. Um, I had, I've always had like little Yellow Rubber Ducky things, and my wife hates them. So uh, when we got married, I made sure that we got little bride and groom, little, rubber, little Yellow Rubber Duckies of bride and groom on my, my groom's cake. And uh, so that's kind of how that came about. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> she hated I it, it, so I, I hate it. it. I love it. Um, and Staff Sergeant, thank you very much. You have named the episode. Can we take a nap? Um, a nap. i got to type it in here because I will forget it if I don't. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Mr. Ben Hoffman, where can people find you? Find me on Facebook. Find me on Twitter um, at, at our Charlie Hoffman, um, as in the letters B and C. Um, I'm also around. I'm on the edge of cast week after next. Come listen. I've got some hate mail for that. Um, <laughs> final thoughts needs national legislation in line with the in line with long haul truckers in the aviation industry, and also very claiming once again that nobody ever died of cardiac arrest. That was funny. That was funny last that week. That was funny. That was classic. That was funny, man. Yeah. That was good. Other than that's how everybody dies. That's how everybody dies, man. I'm sorry. Um, Mr. Kyle David Bates, where can people find you? You can find me all over the place lately. Uh, you can find me at kyledavidbates.com, Twitter at ImageMedic. Call to find me at my two podcasts, firstfewmoments.com. Uh, we will have the next episode up. We recorded it last night with Dr. Lou Romig. We talked about triage in terms of all the different methods that are out there, including her jumpstart, the SACO triage methods, and which is good and which is better. And also over at PDU, which is PEDI-U.com, which is our pediatric-specific podcast, which I'm editing now. And the title of it is It's Weezing Season, because we're getting into the whole world of, of yeah, exactly, there we go, um, of respiratory emergencies and RSV season here. So check us out on those. Those should be up here in the next couple of days. PDU. I need to get that on P-D-U. the EMS radio. I need to get that on the. Send it over to you. I, well, I know, but I need to get it on the on the radio show thing. So we'll get we'll get her going. Thanks everything over. Thanks, brother. Uh, Miss Natalie Quibido, where can people find you? I'm all over, just like Kyle. Um, my blog is MissParamedic.com. I've been blogging a lot more lately. Um, of course, there's GenMedShow.com, and I promise we're not dead. We got two new episodes out, and another one we're working on. Um, we also have my little web project called Mutual Aid, so youtube.com slash mutual aid TV. We're actually wrapping that up now, so you cannot escape me. I'm on Twitter at Miss Paramedic, Facebook Miss Paramedic. I mean, you cannot escape me if you try, and that's a threat. Right on. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for joining us tonight. Um, thank you for watching on Vocal. We really appreciate it. I love this because we get direct audience interaction right away maybe next week if nobody calls our phone number we'll give it away on vocal i don't know we'll see um i just wanted to show you one last thing see that car right there that is the brand new um 2011 ford mustang gt and i got to drive one at blog world and it was crazy awesome uh let me tell you that was the fastest car i've ever driven i kept spinning the tire in fact I, I i was getting so excited and i had just met uh leo laporte and i were talking in the parking lot about cars which is pretty cool but he uh he took the car out before me and we were talking about it and he took off in it as i was watching and he did the exact same thing i did it kind of went and just made the back end spin around and oh, crazy awesome power what was, what was the noise it made uh, don't ask anyway it has it was a little different than the little old lady he almost sideswiped huh? yeah well it it's rated at 412 horsepower uh but man i'll tell you it felt like 500 
Maybe you need six. one, man. You need one. <laughs> oh man, I really do. But you know what's one? I got one problem with that. I got all this white stuff outside my door right now, and it's not very conducive to a rear-wheel drive, really fast car. So, is there snow up there already? Oh yeah, we got uh, two feet ish this week. So it was awesome. Are you wow? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Oh, that was Vale. You know, here at, ha- at the house, only got about that much, a couple inches, but. Uh, the rest of the the rest of the veil area got about two feet, and they're getting excited because it's about ski season. So come on up and ski. We love send it. We love uh, for you to come up and spend your money here and ski. Um, you're looking at the new director of social media for the Veil Film Festival, and I'll be starting up that very soon. We're going to be doing some pretty cool stuff, and we're going to have some stars and some new directors, and we're going to be doing some pretty cool stuff with that. I think that's kind of a new project we're working on. Um, that won't have anything to do with EMS, and it certainly has very little to do with radio, but I'm pretty excited about it. I have no idea how they even got me into that, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Anyway. Congratulations. Eh, well, whatever. I just answered a tweet and they love, we had a great time. We had a good time talking today. So it was a lot of fun, but, um, so we're looking for more of that. Please, please don't forget Boingo audible free, no strings. I, you don't even have to put a credit card in to get audible. Um, so call us this week and tell us how much you like the show. Give us a show idea give us hate mail. I really don't care. Just call us and interact. If you do, you probably will win since nobody did last week. And next week we'll probably give away the audible gift certificate on vocal. We generally do this every Thursday night at 8 PM mountain time, 10 PM Eastern time. If you go to vocal.com, you can find our EMS garage logo and it will actually give you the time or the best place to find us emsgarage.com forward slash live to find out when the live show is every week my name is chris montera i'm the geeky medic please join us next time when we talk more about issues that concern you in the mess. Okay.